Every year, um, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we always try to have a few testimonies from our church family. And so I didn't do this earlier, and so I just wanted to go ahead. For our church family, you know the McGrew family, who has been part of here probably for about a year now. And they have so um, just really became our faith family. I love them and their children. And so I've asked Peter if he would just come and that he would just give us a testimony of praise of what God has been doing in his life and his family's life and let him share with us today. He uh, He only had six pages. Yes, only six. It's only six. Figured since the food was in the fellowship hall, <laughs> a couple hours here this morning wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> no, uh, appreciate that. Um, thankful for the opportunity. Thankful for y'all as a church family. Thankful to, to be here this morning. It's a, it's a beautiful day to be gathered together. Amen. Uh, in the Lord's house and the Lord's day. Um, so, Brother Brian's introduced us. I think most everyone knows us. Me and my wife, Hannah, and three kids. And, uh, and uh, one on the way, so uh, I don't know if some people know, some don't, but we are expecting a, to grow to, to a family of four, uh, well, I say four, a family of six come uh, late spring of 2023, so praising the Lord for that, also appreciate everyone's prayers <laughs> going forward, so um, we've been married for about eight years now, me and Hannah, and uh, of course, many of you know that we uh, grew up in Goldon, moved out to Danville here about a year and a half ago. Um, started coming here visiting uh, last October, I believe. So, uh, actually, Brother Ed Lacey was preaching revival the first time we visited. Um, but uh, kind of in keeping with our growing family, I thought uh, I'd mention just how thankful we are for the blessing of, of our children. You know, um, oftentimes in our society, uh, children are take it for granted or even seen as an inconvenience. And Psalm, Psalm 127.3 reminds us that uh, children are a gift from God, that uh, the fruit of the womb is a blessing from the Lord. And we are thankful for the kids that he's blessed us with and pray, you know, we pray that by his grace we would steward them well, raise them up to fear him and to glorify him. And uh, I couldn't help but think about how instrumental the local church was in, in uh, mine and Hannah's life growing up. Parents raised us in church, taught us the word. Um, thankful for that, um, and so thankful for y'all. Um, and the local church is extremely in- instrumental in this process of, of raising our, our children in the, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, uh, from something like teaching them how to worship together corporately, singing together as we've just finished doing, um, equipping us as parents, um, encouraging us, holding us accountable. The Lord uses His church to, to strengthen us as Christians, so we are thankful for y'all. Um, many of you have taken us in, made us feel at home here. You've loved on us, loved on our kids. Um, you know, even before uh, we started visiting here, Elliot was in the NICU the first week and a half or so of, of his life, and uh, we received prayer grams from, from the church, uh, you know, letting us know that y'all were praying for him. Um, we're thankful that those prayers were answered, and he's a healthy little boy now. He's growing too fast. So, <laughs> but all the glory to God that he answers the prayers of his people. Yeah. And uh, 
also thankful. I know we talked about it this morning in Sunday school for the leadership. You know, God, God raises up godly men to, to lead his church faithfully, and we're thankful for the leadership that he's placed here, Brother Trey and Brother Brian. They've a uh, faithful exposition of the word of God. It means a lot to us. Um, worshiping God rightly in song and the discipleship that, that they work so hard towards. So in all these things, I just wanted to, you know, it's a bit testimony of praise. Um, it is by God's grace and his providence that, that we are here today, that we're where we're at today. And um, continues to grow us and sanctify us, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but a couple of things about, about our Lord that I wanted to mention that I'm thankful for. One is his faithfulness. And uh, after we sang the song, I started to not even get up here, you know. <laughs> but uh, he is faithful, and that's a great comfort, um, that he is faithful to his word. You know, he, we learned, we've learned in Genesis that uh, he made a promise, you know, way back in the, in the dawn time to, to Adam that the, the serpent would be crushed by the seed of the woman. And that he fulfilled that promise, you know, some 4,000 years later when Christ came. And uh, came and lived a sinful life in full obedience to the Father. Um, took the wrath of God on our behalf, died on the cross. But he, you know, the story doesn't end there. He defeated death and rose from the grave. And uh, this is all a revelation of the, of the faithfulness of God uh, to his glory, of his goodness to his, to his people. Uh, and he gives us the strength. Um, not only did it provide a way for us to be saved, um, but he gives us the strength to persevere through uh, the good times and the bad times in life to the end. Another was his mercy. You know, without his mercy, we, we would have no hope because we are a people in dire need of his mercy, sinful. Um, and there, his mercy knows no end. I don't know about y'all, but that's comforting for me. I'm thankful for it. And also that his mercies are new every morning because, as I said, um, I'm in need of his mercy every morning. So I praise God for his love and kindness. Mercy has shown us and showing us on a daily basis. And one other thing, I'll wrap up with this, but um, you know, there's so many reasons that we can thank God and praise God. But he deserves our praise because he is God Almighty. He's the creator. And as the creature, uh, we can do nothing but praise him and worship him. Amen. So I praise him that he's faithful, he's merciful, and he is our creator. Thank you, Peter. Before we hear the word of God this morning, let's stand together and sing of our thankfulness to him. My heart is filled with thankfulness. My heart is filled with thankfulness to you.
Bibles this morning, and I know you will be shocked. Turn to the Old Testament this morning to the book of Psalms, Psalms 100. We will take a short two-week break from the Gospel of Luke. Next week, Brother Craig James will be here, and I am looking forward to, to him coming to proclaim God's Word I do believe that, that you will find no one better to exegete, to expound the Word of God than Brother Craig. Be praying for him. Uh, he's still struggling with his eye, the loss of sight. Um, but I do not believe that he has lost the ability to proclaim the Word of God. And so I am looking forward to hearing him, but also him having the opportunity. I know he hasn't gotten to do very much here lately. But turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. And I, I want this morning for us, as we are kind of in this season of Thanksgiving and as uh, Thanksgiving Day is approaching, to, to go to a familiar psalm uh, that just really proclaims how the gratitude of God's people. And I want you to see this with me this morning. So Psalm 100, and let's begin. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing know the lord himself is god it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name for the lord is good his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Sing the old hundredth is one of the everyday expressions of the Christian church. And it will be so while men exist whose hearts are loyal to the great king. Nothing can be more sublime or splendid this side of heaven than the singing of this noble psalm by vast congregation. 
C.H. Spurgeon. And I believe Spurgeon was right. Indeed, the singing and the reading of this this powerful psalm, there's just something to it that as we read it, it it is just overflows with a command of God's people to come and to bring thanks and to praise the one who has loved us. As our National Day of Thanksgiving approaches, I, I thought that this would be good for us to break away from Luke for just a couple weeks. It'd be good to go to the Psalms and, and, and read one of, our, one, of the, one of the favorites here that has been for the church. Because I do believe that as we look at this, what you're going to find is, is that this is a practice that is greatly overlooked in our day. Within the church, not, we're not even talking about the world. We, we understand that the world does not give thanks and honor to God. Romans 1 tells us that they have traded the glory of God for the creation of, of man, the, for the created thing. And so therefore they do not honor Him. They do not give Him thanks. That is depravity. That is the sinfulness of man. To be ungrateful, to have, to have no gratitude for the Lord Himself, but for the people. We are to be a people of thanksgiving, and yet I believe that sometimes we are far more a people of griping. And I have to tell you that this has been one of those weeks that the study of the Word has stepped on my own toes multiple, multiple times. To my own shame, I believe that I do practice more complaining than thanksgiving. Let's face it, the world has much to complain about. There is much to to gripe about. And so our lips, therefore, are endless with words of all the things that we find wrong. And our fingers are quick to type on social media all of the gripes that we have. And our minds are consumed with a list of grievances rather than a list of blessings. And so today I want to look at the old 100th, the old 100th, the, the psalm that is a doxology or what I will call this morning an exclamation mark at the end of a very exciting sentence. If you were to go back, the sentence would begin in about Psalms 92, 93. And there's a series of psalms that is given here. Psalms 92, all the way to 99. And then you come to the very end here of, of Psalm 100, which is this doxology, this exclamation point. This is a series of psalms that is sung at the end of the year for Israel's last feast, in which they bring a sacrifice of peace or thanksgiving to the Lord. And they would sing all of these. They would, they would stand and sing together as a, an assembly of people, of God's people. And then there at the very end, the hundredth psalm would be sung. These are psalms that are filled with the praise of God for the greatness of His reign as King. That He is good he is just. He is faithful. He is, the, he is victorious over all enemies. And that God had chosen them. Of all nations, of all people, He even says, you are the least, you are the foolish, you are the weakest of all of the nations in the world. But I have chosen you, O Israel. And so they are grateful. And so they come and they, they would offer this offering at this time of harvest, this time of, of feasting. And they would offer their thanksgiving and they would sing these psalms. I would encourage you, dear friends, that as you approach the, the day of thanksgiving this coming week, that you would read Psalms 92 to 100 as you prepared, that you may meditate on these throughout the week. And I promise that you will be blessed. But for the sermon this morning, I want to focus in on what I'm going to entitle today, The Old Hundredth, The Practice of Thanksgiving. The Old Hundredth, The Practice of Thanksgiving. And so here is the big idea this morning. 
The big idea is, is that since God is so great and good, all the inhabitants of the earth are called to gather to praise and offer thanksgiving. I'll say it again. Since God is so good, so great, all inhabitants of the earth are called to gather and praise and offer thanksgiving. And so as your pastor this morning, it is my hope that you will answer the call. It is my hope this morning that we as a people on today in this very moment, in this very gathering, this very assembly, that we would answer the call of thanksgiving both as individuals and also on a corporate level. And so there are three points that I want to quickly make this morning. I want you to see the call, the cause, and the commission of thanksgiving. The call, the cause, and the commission of thanksgiving. Let's begin with the call, the invitation, the command. Notice here that this is a psalm that is very short. It's five verses, 79 words total. As they, the old saying is, dynamite comes in small packages. It would ring true within this psalm. Because within these five verses, 79 words, there are actually seven very powerful commands. These are not something, these are not just, you know, uh, opinions. These are not, you know, something that you were given as options that you may do. These are seven very pointed and, as you will see in just a moment, very specific commands, seven imperatives to praise and give thanks to God. Just look at them very quickly with me. Verse 1, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. And then in verse 2, we find two more. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful th- uh, singing. And then in verse 3, we are told to know the Lord, that the Lord Himself is God. And the final three in verse 4, enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Seven imperatives, very pointed imperatives the multiple multiple sermons could be given through this i I honestly thought this week because you know i mean we started in luke and back in january and we're almost about to get to chapter six and i really thought okay i can just cover this one psalm and then i begin to realize that this five verses is multiple multiple sermons within this within these imperatives but i'm just going to give you a summary this morning And hit the high point, which is this, is that the call to give thanks is an important practice. The call to give thanks is an important practice. Not only are there seven imperatives, but if you were to go back and begin reading in Psalm 92 all the way to Psalm 100, you would find 35 references to the giving of thanks to God. 35 references uh, of the issue of God's people praising Him out of gratitude. You cannot deny that the people of God are to be very active in their expression of gratitude and love for Him. But I must have you zero in and notice something with me. I told you practice. You must must notice that I said that, that it is a practice of giving thanks because each one of these imperatives is a verb. It is action. It is you being called to do something. And so I know that many times that when we think about Thanksgiving and we think or, or about giving thanks to the Lord, we, it's, we really want to kind of, uh, you know, the whole um, just be still and know. Just to think and meditate and contemplate the, and go through the list and just count in your mind the blessings of God. There is certainly a time to be still and to know. But there are times in which we find here that we are to do something and we are to shout. We are to sing. And this is one of those times. He, he tells us that there is a practice in which we are to give thanks. 
It's not just mere contemplation. So just, again, walk through these with me. We are to shout to the Lord our thanksgiving. We are to come with an audible, loud blast that, that tells him that, that it's very verbal of the things that we are grateful. The term that is used here is for an army who would come, who, whose king would come before them and stand before them after uh, a great battle, a great victory had been won. And when he would come out, they would shout, Oh, look at our king! He has led us to victory! I, I would think of just what Peter just did for us. A testimony of praise where we stand before the people of God and we begin to loudly proclaim all the good things that He has done for us. Or the word serve. Serve refers to labor, but it can also refer to worship. But it, it is pointedly that we are working. Working why? Because we are thankful. We are glad to be working. We're not under compulsion. We're not doing this begrudgingly. No one's just making. We, are, we want to serve the Lord. And so we serve from Sunday to Sunday, whether it be in the church in worship or whether it be outside the church, we are doing things because we are thankful for what he has done for us. The words come and enter are the same Hebrew word. They are the command to draw near. They are the command to physically begin to move closer to God, into the presence. And so he tells us to enter into the gates, enter into the assembly, enter into the place where the people of God will meet. So you are physically coming and gathering with the people to do what? To sing. To sing together of the goodness and the greatness of the Lord our God. He says we are to know God. Our worship is to be intelligent. It is not hollow. Your, your thanksgiving is, is, is not hollow. We, we do not just give God thanks out of just the, the mere, you know, just to do because it's the right thing to do. There's a reason for it. There's substance here of why we offer our thanks. Because we know Him, we know His nature, and we know His deeds. And, and you say, well, what if we don't know these types of things? Well, that's the beauty of this word. It, it actually can also mean that, that you are knowing by learning. You are finding out the nature and deeds of God that you can make discernments. And here's the beauty. If you are studying the Word of God, if you are, if you are being mentored by someone, if you are being taught the Word and, and reading and all of this, as you learn of God, you cannot help but to give thanks. To know the attributes and the promises and the truths of God. To know the goodness and the depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're finally told that we are to give thanks and to bless his name. And though these two are not the same word, they are similar in what they are calling us to do. That we are to bow in in adoration. We are to confess our complete devotion to him. We are submitting ourselves to to our king out of our deepest love and gratitude for what he has done and who he is. Beloved, thanksgiving involves action. It involves intentional expression of gratitude that is within your heart and mind. And it is never to be based upon the circumstances of your life. Whether your life is going well or your life is not going so well, you are always commanded to be actively expressing the goodness and the greatness of God and the blessings He has bestowed upon you. You are to be audible. 
I must ask you, does, does this describe your practice of praise? As you walk through this list, do, do, do you even have a practice of praise? I mean, you have a practice to do everything else. You, you have a practice in which you get ready for the day. You have a practice where you go to work. You're moving. You're doing things. But do you have a practice in which you offer thanksgiving up to the Lord? You have a practice in which you give your gripes and complaints. We all have practices and actions, and we do. But do you have a, but do you have a practice in which you give thanks unto God? Are you, do you have audible confessions? Again, this is Peter was doing earlier, giving a testimony of the greatness of God in his own life. Praise God for, for children. Praise God for the, 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 the faithfulness of God's promise in, in Genesis chapter 3, right? Peter is, is making a proclamation. We are making proclamations. We are audibly letting the world know, this is why I'm thankful. Yeah, but aren't you, aren't you going through some, some bad things? Yes, I may be going through some bad things. But let me tell you why I don't focus on the bad things. Let me be verbal about it. Do you regularly gather with the local church and sing the praises of God? Do you eagerly read and study and learn that you may know God? I pray this morning that I can encourage you in a couple ways. I pray this morning that this psalm would, would encourage you this morning to, to use these, these imperatives, this list of imperatives that we find here that the psalmist gives us as a way of examination. That you would, that you would go to the Word of God, you would go to the old hundredth, you would go to it and you would read these imperatives today and you would examine your life. You would look at each and every one of them and begin to ask yourself, do I practice thanksgiving in this way? And what we may find is, is that some of us don't practice thanksgiving. You may not practice thanksgiving at all. It may just be sheer, just a few thoughts here and there, but, but there's no outward practicing of thanksgiving or you practice very little. You may find that, that you are more audible that you know more about your complaints and grievances in the world than you do God himself. Beloved, if this is true for you today, hear me. There is something wrong. Just as you are driving down the road and you, you hear a rattle under the hood, if you begin to examine your life according to these imperatives and you see that you are not practicing th- these things, there is something wrong. There is either unconfessed sin or a lack of knowledge, spiritual growth, or maybe even unbelief. Examine your life by the Word of God this morning. And I would encourage you also to use these imperatives as a roadmap to sanctification. Use these imperatives as a roadmap to develop habits of practicing Thanksgiving, not just in the week of Thanksgiving, but to practice this Every day, every week of your life, draw near. Make that a practice. I will not miss church. I will come and I will sing. I I, I will express. I will know. I will study daily. I will submit. I I will bless or bow before God and submit myself to the Word of God. Even if it's hard, I will do it because I'm thankful for Him. Oh, we use these imperatives as a roadmap in your sanctification. But I want you to secondly now notice the cause. Because that's the beauty of the psalm. There's really just kind of two stanzas here. First, he proclaims the, the invitation, the command, and then he follows it up with the cause. And so I want you to take notice here 
This is the why we give thanks. That if you were to look at this psalm and you were to count every reference of God or Lord, you would count 16 times that the psalmist references God. And so I want to be very clear this morning that we understand that God alone deserves our thanks. It is God who is the recipient of our praise and no one else. To give thanks would indicate an obligation of being thankful. It it, it indicates an obligation that we are to show gratitude to someone for a favor that they have done for us. In other words, this, this is a recognition that God has initiated our relationship with him. In other words, it isn't the opposite. We do not come to God first, and then God then just brings it. No, no, it's God who reveals himself. It is God who calls us. It is God who sent his son. It is God who bestows favor upon us. Because if it was the other way around, if I came to God first, and I gave him my praise, I gave him my worship, then, then God, you got to reward me, and you give me thanks. That's the way the Greeks were. That's the way the pagans were. There's all of these gods. And if I go to this one and I give this one my praise and I give this one my thanks, if I go and give my life to this one, then he will reward me with good crops. He will reward me with a good marriage. He will reward me with children. That's not how this works. We are thankful because God has initiated first. He has shown favor first. Take notice of verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God is our maker. Amen. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't get to experience all the goodness. You would not get to experience, you know, some of the greater blessings of life like chicken and dumplings. They are back there, right? You're laughing. I'm being serious. Just, just need to make sure. You, you, you get, if God has not created us, if God has not made us, then, then we don't get... Yes, there are bad things as well. We understand the world is broken, but there are so many good things, and we are His people. He has brought us into existence, and so without God, there is no us. We belong to Him. And this is a good thing. Because like a sheep, a sheep's shepherd... The sheep enjoy the benefits of the shepherd. We enjoy the benefits of God. We get to enjoy the pasture of God. We get to enjoy the protection of God. We get to enjoy the love of God, the provision of God. We enjoy the benefits and the blessings of this life as a result of our creation, which is a direct result of God's design. Our expressions of gratitude should be compelled by our creation and our continued sustainment. And then notice verse 5. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. He's not only made me. He's good. Even when He chastised me. Even, even when He has, even when bad things happen. And even though God is sovereign and we know that, that, that He is in control of all things. We, we know this. And we experience these things and we ask these questions of why we could always go to the scriptures and we could always be reminded that God is good and he is loving. And not just to us, his people, but to all the earth, right? We know this is common grace. Psalms 145.9, the Lord is good to all. 
He has compassion on all he has made. Or how about Luke 6, 35, that God is even kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Yet the greatest good, the greatest love, the greatest blessing the scriptures speak of is not just God's common grace, but God's saving grace. It is the loving kindness that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us. That though we were wicked, though we were ungrateful, though like Romans 1, we had traded the the glory of God and we had given honor to creation and we had given thanks to creation, he sent his son to die for us. You see why Christians should practice Thanksgiving daily? No matter the circumstances we go through, no matter what we may face, do you see why we do this with joy and gladness, with singing and praise? Do you see why we do this with a local church? It's because of the gospel. That we who were sinners, humanity, sinful, sinful from the very beginning, living in a broken world, that from the moment that Adam sinned against God, sin has reigned, and we are by nature from the inside of us, we are by nature sinners, and we are willing participants of the sin. And just as Israel was enslaved to Egypt with no hope of escape, so we are enslaved to our own sin destined to be destroyed by the wrath of God unless God intervenes. Unless God intervenes, which He does, out of His great loving kindness, He sent Christ to set us free from our sin. That Christ who lived 33 years of of His life and never sinned, not once, not in thought, not in word, not in deed, in any way, always keeping the commandments of God, innocent through and through, perfect, Willingly lays his life down for the guilty, the wicked, the ungrateful. And he dies on the cross of Calvary. And he rises three days later in all power and in all glory. And he calls us. He commands us to repent and come to him and be saved. Come to him. And those who embrace the gospel in repentance and in faith will be saved. And then we have a double reason in which we are to give thanks. Go back and look at verse 3, but look at it through the lens of the gospel now. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Yes, we are his. He created me. But look at it through the lens of the gospel now. It has a double meaning, doesn't it? I who was dead in my sins and trespasses. And by the grace of Christ and the sacrifice of his life on Calvary and the resurrection, he has remade me. He has redeemed me. And Scripture says he has, he has made me into something new, a creature, a child of His. He has made us something new. I'm His people. 
I am his chosen people. I am a citizen of his pasture. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God that will not be shaken. Oh, dear friends. Do you see the beauty of the gospel and what it does and how it should cause me to cry out in thanksgiving no matter what I go through? Because the gospel has made me. I pray this morning, I pray and I encourage you today that if you are a believer that you would remind yourself of God's goodness daily you can not practice thanksgiving apart from the saving knowledge of God. You can't do it. Romans 1 tells you you can't do it. Romans 1 tells you that you will not honor God. You will not give thanks to God because you are dead. And dead men, dead women do not give thanks. You can celebrate it as a national holiday all you want. You can eat as much chicken and dumplings as you want. But you will not truly know gratitude until you know the power of the gospel that saves a wretch like me. And as you come to this and we see what he has done for us, we realize that we must practice thanksgiving. We must realize that we must read the word of God and know God, know him deeply. We want to know him. We've tasted him and we're thankful that he has given us this taste. He's thankful that he has brought that he's brought us to the table and we want to know him. And so in our thanksgiving, it enhances our our study, enhances our thanksgiving. And we just continually consume the goodness of him. Remind yourself of this. Oh, beloved, preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach it while you're going through cancer. Preach it to yourself while, you're, while, while your bank accounts are, are running low. Preach it to yourself when you're getting $3.50 of gas, right? Preach it to yourself when the leaders of your country are immoral. Preach it to yourself, dear friends, when, when your own children are rebellious. Preach it to yourself when you yourself have sinned and fallen on your face. Preach the gospel to yourself and remind you of the goodness of God. And I would say secondly this morning that if you find that you are under conviction of unbelief, If you find yourself this morning, you say, I have no cause for thanksgiving. I have no cause for praise because I do not know this God. I do not know him as Lord and Savior. He has not made me or or he has not not redeemed me. I implore you this morning. I plead with you this morning. Grab a halt of this gospel and never let it go. Grab a hold of someone here this morning and tell them, beg of them, show me, help me, lead me. Help me to know this God. And then watch, dear friend, as you become grateful, as your heart is softened, as your heart is made alive. And then you will know the praises of God on your lips. But there is one third thing, one final thing I must show you this morning. You must know the commission of thanksgiving. Again, notice verse 1, for he says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Well, there's a problem. Isn't there? 
I, I get it, Lord. You're, you're giving the command. You're issuing the call. All the earth come and worship and praise and give thanks to, to God. The worship of God is meant to extend to all people, to all nations, to all tribes, to all tongues. No one is exempt. And yet we know the truth. That the nations and the people have rebelled against God. Because did we not read in the very second psalm? Psalms 2, 1 through 3. Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. As David Platt says, this psalm, Psalm 100, presupposes that all nations must first be brought to the Lord before they can rightly give such praise. They must know God as Savior. They must know this gospel. And so therefore, this psalm carries with it a commission, a great commission, if you will, as though God was foreshadowing through the writing, through the psalmist's writing here, that which would come from the very mouth of Jesus. Go, therefore, make disciples of what nations? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to do what? To observe all that I have commanded you did we not just see that thanksgiving is a command of god when the great commission involves us not only leading people to christ that they may know him as savior but discipling and mentoring them to become people who are thankful who shout who serve who come who enter who bless who know who give thanks If the nations are going to draw near and give thanks to God, if we are going to see this, then they need to know the great love of God. And that that commission, that, that responsibility, that duty has been placed upon your shoulders. If you are one who is grateful to know Christ, you are then therefore to go and tell the world of your gratitude. You are to go and to testify to the whole world of how grateful you are for all that he has done for you. And notice, I, I love the very end of this, and, and, so, and so I'm going to, I was going to kind of just save this for later, but, but thanks be to Peter this morning and his testimony of children. Notice, notice the very end of Psalms 105, Psalms 100, verse 5, and his faithfulness to all generations. Oh, we are sometimes so focused on the world and the parts of the world that we can never get to, and yet God has put the very next generation into our homes, Amen. And we are called to, to teach our children of, of Christ and what He has done. And we are called to teach them to give thanks be to God. Give thanks to your Lord. And so this commission is not just to go out to the whole world and to people that, that we've never seen and people who speak differently than us. This commission is to go all through the future. It has been all through the past. It is the duty of God's people that everyone would come. Everyone who has ever been born would come and give thanksgiving to God. And so, dear friend, you have been called to be a gospel witness of the gratitude, for your gratitude of Christ, and see that, that the world would know. 
You're, you're, you are to be a, a witness of the gratitude of Christ no matter how much you suffer, how great or small your suffering is. And so if this is God's call to the whole world, if He has, if he has commanded, if He has invited the whole world to come and to give Him praise, to give Him thanks, then let the thanksgiving start at 500 South Cooper Avenue, Jonesboro, Louisiana. Let this place shout. And let this place come. And let these people know. Let our faith family bless and give thanks to God. And may He then, out of loving kindness, spread that to all corners of the globe and to all generations. Amen? If you would bow with me this morning.